Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Hello, and welcome to the Town Alone Podcast, the podcast brought to you by The Wheel. I am your host, Adam Hess, and with me as always is Mike Wee U Reagan. Reagan? I fucked up your last name right at the gate. Regan. Mike Reagan, how you doing today? Oh no, I'll go find Mike Reagan and ask him, see how he's doing. Mike Regan, he's here though, and he's doing fantastic. So, uh, Mike. Yeah. I've been uh, using Audacity version 24, and it's mm-hmm. been desyncing because... For whatever reason, the feature on Audacity that can use your graphics driver to record audio wasn't functioning on version 24. Just went back to using version 23. First off, has gain controls while recording again for some reason. And second, no longer desyncing. Shit, what version do I have? Oh, wait, I'm using Audition, not Audacity. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, why are you using Audacity? Wrong software. Saying the wrong software. Cutting the whole thing now. I can't sound dumb. Right, like, I get using the free software just to, like, record my my scratch or whatever, but you actually edit it and shit, so I was surprised you would use use Audacity. I think you have to use a physical razor blade to edit on Audacity. You do. You do. You have to get a scalpel out and some duct tape on your screen to get it all together. So, Mike, I uh, got uh, week 13 of the NFL action in the books, barring anything interesting happened tonight in Bengals-Jags. But more importantly, coming off the top rope, got some uh, college football controversy coming through conference championship week. And while it annoys me beyond belief when today I decided to listen to a fantasy football podcast and they talked about college football, we're not a fantasy football podcast, so we can talk about college football. Yeah. It was really tossing to you there, so you could talk about some college football. Yeah, so they dropped the the CFP rankings are are out, and obviously they announced the playoff selection yesterday at noon, an hour before the football starts, which I love it. That's like one thing they do right. Like right, the very next day after the conference titles are done, they they give it to us. They'll make us wait. But it was announced: Michigan one, Washington two, Texas three, Bama four, Florida State bumped out despite being an undefeated Power 5 champion. They're number five. And then Georgia tumbles to number six after their first loss in two years. Uh, Everybody is pissed (laughs) about the Florida State thing. So here's... I get that everyone's pissed about the Florida State thing. And we'll talk about that in a second. I just need this explained to me. Why is everyone pissed about Florida State and not about Georgia? I get that Bama beat Georgia and Texas beat Bama. So if you were going to put... Bama in, you had to put Texas in, and you had to bump Georgia out, right? But wasn't isn't Georgia the best roster in college football this year? I mean, that's up for debate. But they're in the conversation. Are they a top four roster in college football? Yeah, I mean, I think they're definitely like a. I mean, they're in the put it this way, they're in the top six. I think they're definitely have a top six roster in college football. Uh, I'd say top four too. All joking aside, but so why aren't people up in arms about them getting knocked out? Because they lost. So did Bama and Texas. They did, but Texas won their their conference title. Bama won the conference title. With Florida State, you're seeing a team that literally did everything it could. It went undefeated. It won its conference championship, and the committee still said, "Eh, sorry, you're still not, like you're still not good okay. enough." Listen, I get it, and we can we can talk more about Florida State here in a second. I still just don't get this Georgia <laughs> thing. So I need to explain. Who did Texas lose to? Uh, 
Oklahoma. Okay. How is that not a worse loss than Georgia losing just to Alabama? No, it is. It's a a, to- a much to like a much total like a much worse loss. Well, I think in general Texas Texas is a weird one. Like we're gonna say the ACC wasn't strong, but then it's like, well, how strong really was the Big Twelve this year? Like they had to beat like OSU in the t- in the conference game. Like they don't have as many wins that jump out. So I don't think their schedule was as hard as Bama or Georgia. The, basically, their biggest game of the season was Bama, and they got the win there. That and that's what all that matter. But the committee couldn't get Bama in unless they put Georgia in, because then they'd have to listen to the shitstorm of like, well, wait, that team beat that team, so you can't put that team in. It's so it all just ended with the dominoes in Georgia being. I was, it was a shitty. The committee for I'm glad that for the first time, like the last year, we have four playoff teams. They were in a shit situation finally. Most years, things just like fell into their lap and worked out to where it was like obvious, like, oh, yeah, those are the four teams. No one's angry. Yeah. Like, if, if your argument is, okay, we have to have the teams that succeeded the most this season in the college football playoff, then there's no excuse not to put Florida State in. I mean, won, their, won a Power 5 conference championship, didn't lose a game. And if the argument is, well, no, 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 it's whatever the best teams are, then I don't understand how you're making an argument to keep Georgia out. It's literally just because Bama beat Georgia? That's it? That, yeah, that caused a whole shitload of problems. <laughs> that caused a whole shitload of problems. I'm surprised... So I was going into it and I wanted Bama to be in, but I also realized that Bama can't be in unless they put Texas in because of the, the, the win over Bama. So I knew that going in. And once Texas was announced at three, I was like, oh shit, they're really going to kick Florida State out. People are going to be so mad. So shouldn't <laughs> they have to put Oklahoma in since Oklahoma beat Texas? No, Oklahoma also lost three games this year. Or no, two games. I'm sorry. I got nothing, man. I can't, I can't deal with this Georgia getting bumped down to so- sixth. No, I get it, because honestly, if you look at those top six teams and someone said, like, if someone said who are the best two teams in those top six, I would say Alabama and Georgia. Call me, like, an SEC mark. You know, it, it is what it is. They're, they're the best two teams. Like, if... I don't think... Maybe Michigan, because their defense is so good. Be close to them. Washington, I, that'll be ugly wrenching. Anyway, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. But no, I do agree with you. Like they lost their first game, and it sucks to lose your first game in two years. You're back to back conference and national title champions, and you lose one game, and it's like you're out of here, kid. And imagine the vitriol today if they put them at five and bump Florida State back another spot. I mean, Adam, I've heard. Right off the bat, they announced it, and Booger was on the ESPN show um, with Reese Davis and the usual gang. And he said, they came right back after they announced it. They cut back to the desk, and he said, I can't remember exactly, but he was, like, really dramatic. He was like, this is, like, a travesty for the sport. It just, like, diminishes everything that we play for. The committee has failed the game, and they failed Florida State. And, and at first, I was like, whoa, booger, settle down. But then throughout the day, I heard more people taking similar, co- make, saying comments that were in the similar vein, but not quite as emotional um, and, you know, hyperbolic. But yeah, people are really upset. A lot of people are saying that this does tell us that the games don't matter, that the results don't matter. But I can't, 
that's such a, a narrow-sighted argument to make. That's like yeah. if you're only looking at Florida State, because if the games didn't matter, once again, Georgia got bumped out by losing a conference championship game. Yeah. So the games obviously do matter. Yeah. Like in their situation, the games mattered. Uh, and Texas being ahead of Bama in the rankings all year, the games did matter. And they're saying in this situation, it didn't. And a lot of people are like, it, it isn't fair that the Travis injury and the way they've had two close games down the stretch has affected them. I do, I do feel a little bit for like Jordan Travis shortly tweeted yesterday, like, and it was like, I think like quarter after 12, 12, 20, they announced the teams. And then at like one o'clock he tweeted devastated, heartbroken and so much disbelief right now. I wish my leg broke earlier in the season. So y'all could see this team is much more than a quarterback. I thought results mattered 13 and 0 and the rosters matched up across any team in his top four rankings. I'm so sorry. Go, go So I do feel for a kid who shattered his leg and then is like, I wish it happened sooner. <laughs> Yeah. So my team wouldn't be penalized. Uh, I feel for him. Mike Norvell issued a statement, uh, the head coach for Florida State, um, and said that he is disgusted and infuriated with the committee's decision today to have what was earned on the field taken away because a small group of people decided the new, they knew better than the results of the game. What is the point of playing games? Uh, it's a long statement, so I'll just cut it off there. But a lot of upset. I just... It's a really unfortunate situation, and maybe I'm the one guy who's going to be contrarian, but I mean, I, I tweeted it yesterday. I think the committee got it right. I don't think Florida State, I think the ACC is very weak this year. Yeah, Louisville technically looks like a top 15 win. Louisville shouldn't have been a top, Louisville's not as good as some of the other teams in the top, like most of the teams in the top 15. I mean, ACC is just not a very good conference this year. And props to Florida State, because their defense did what I thought they were going to do and played unreal against Louisville. <laughs> they smacked the shit out of them. And they ended up winning by 10, despite not having really anything on offense. Having to play their third-string quarterback, because Tate Rodemaker had a concussion. So props to them. And I, I was just as shocked as I'm sure they were, because I even said in my um in my article that if they won, they were getting in, because they're an undefeated Power 5 conference team. Yeah, I... It- like, when you think, what is the committee's job, it feels weird for them to make the choice based off of a injury. Like, that feels like it's outside of the scope of what they are supposed to be doing. Or they're then taking into account hypotheticals. They're saying, yeah. without that player and the way they're playing, hypothetically, they wouldn't stand a chance. So we're not putting them in. And, and mind you, they were right. According to, uh, like, Impredictable and a couple other betting sites, if Florida State had made it in, they were going to be a 13.5-point underdog to Michigan. Yeah, I think. Which I think is exactly what they are to Georgia, by the way. Really? Yeah, I can pull it up real quick. But it does suck to say, hey, you literally couldn't have done anything else to earn a spot in the playoff, and you still don't get to play. That being said, as an external viewer who doesn't have any emotional connection to any of this, I would much rather see Bama and Texas in with their first string quarterbacks than Florida state in with maybe their third string. Yeah. Or even their second string. Cause Rodemaker didn't, wasn't looking like, you know, the next coming of, of Jameis Winston. I was trying to think of a good Florida state quarterback. <laughs> He's the first thing that tell, came to mind. I could tell you kind of just pulled that one out. <laughs> Pull that one out. Uh, and this is funny. Cause now a lot of people are jumping on like, see, this is why we do need the expanded playoff. So stuff like this doesn't happen. That's a weird take. And, yeah, and it's like, well, this is why we we went to four 
because these things were happening and people were angry. And now some people are angry because we go to four and they still think certain people are being left out. Here's, I mean, you know, to fix this is stop the same way with the BCS and all that. Like stop having a group of 13 dudes make these decisions, like have an actual system set up to say, okay, like I always thought six, I don't think 12 is necessary, but I think six would be great. And you go, okay, if you win a power five conference, boom, you're in. And then I don't know, the, the sixth spot would be up for debate on how they would get there. Six but spot goes some- to whoever wins the uh, FBS. When's the FCS? FCS? Oh, yeah. yeah, no. But, I mean, you could do, like, basically what they do for the, the New Year's Six Bowl games and say highest-ranking group of five team get in. But if you did that, you'd be opening a whole fucking can of worms because after a couple of years of having a group of five team just get shit-smacked in the first round, people would start complaining and saying that was a, a, that's a waste of a spot. So, By the way, pulled it up. You can right now bet Florida State plus 14 against Georgia, even though Florida State is at home. Well, I guess they're not at home. It's a bowl that's game, right? So Yeah neutral site but i wouldn't take them <laughs> i would i wouldn't take the plus 14 i'm sorry you can get oregon minus 15 and a half against liberty oh that's to the so yeah look, that makes sense since oof another team that went undefeated where's the anger from liberty fans <laughs> <laughs> this is the ucf all over again yeah uh, you can uh you can tease those numbers you can six point tease you can get florida state plus 20 oregon all the way down to minus nine and a half i like that bet i think like we should take bet? that that's not bad. That's not a bad two teaser. What are the odds on that? It can't be good. Minus one ten. Oh, that's minus one ten. That's not, that's chalk. So you think yeah. uh, you think Florida can stay within twenty of Georgia? I honestly don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Their defense is really good. I will give them that. But God, against Louisville, a really good defense wins you that game. Against Georgia, I don't think it does, or it doesn't keep you close in a game either. But it, it you know what. You can what? have your conspira- you can have your conspiracies and be like, oh, the media pulls the strings of this whole thing because they do not want to say it's Ooh, George Santos. Yeah, he, he's who kept Florida State out of the playoffs. <laughs> he used all that money he embezzled from his donors. <laughs> Bastard. Um, I'm sure they're much happier to be like, hey, Michigan versus Alabama, New Year's Day, you hype, compared to being like, hey, Florida State with a backup quarterback against Michigan, you hype. Like, no, no one's going to be as excited to watch that one. Plus, we get Texas-Washington. That's going to be an awesome game. So, I mean, Haven't you been talking shit about Washington for a full month now? Washington just came out this weekend and was like, oh, you thought. <laughs> like, all the props in the world for what Washington did against Oregon. I'll have a lot to say about that in this week's on, on Saturday. Uh, they won 34-31. How is that taking care of business? Just how hot they came out and took control of that game it was very impressive. And it was upsetting to see Bo Nix like sitting on the sideline and his defense couldn't get the stop they needed to give him the ball back. So once it was like out of his hands. Um, Bo Nix seal his Heisman case with this game. 21 for 34, 239, three touchdowns. Nah, he lost it. But he had a really good game. I know. But they lost. And he was like the the front runner for the Heisman. I know. And the odds massively changed. And now Jaden Daniels is basically locked in. Do we have to tell the Heisman committee that winning isn't a quarterback stat, or do they not care? They don't care. Okay. Well, they I won't do. waste my breath then. Yeah, they do not care. You got any more, uh, any more thoughts? Anything else you want to touch on on college football-wise? Uh, no. I, that, that's pretty much it. it. It's a shit situation. I think the committee was in a no-win 
no matter how they handled it. Like if they put Florida State in, there was going to be a bunch of people rioting with their their torches and their pitchforks about how that's wrong because of what's going to happen with Florida State. It's unfortunate, but it is the way it played out. I think you have to take into account. You can't say you take into account the, the hypothetical, but you can't. I think the eye test. Some people are like the eye test is is bullshit. No, the eye test isn't bullshit. Like you see who's playing better football right now, and that has to go into deciding these rankings. Yeah, and if the eye test didn't matter, why even have a committee? Just have an algorithm tell you, here are the teams that won Power Five conferences. Here are the teams that had the best win percentage. There you go. Exactly, and they're doing it. The, the NCAA is doing it to themselves because they are. We basically are getting to the point. Like next year, it's going to be like two conferences. Basically, the Big Ten is going to be stacked, and the SEC is going to be stacked. And then you're going to have no Pac-12, and you're going to have this weakened ACC. So, like the the being a Power Five champion, it's just the sad truth is it doesn't mean as much as people would like it to mean. Is Stanford still in the Power Five? Can they win it next year? I think they're one of the. I don't know where they're going. They might be one of the like few big Pac-12 teams left that are like shit. We have to yeah. find somewhere to go next year. There you go, Stanford Pac-12 champions making the playoff. If I was a team like Stanford, who was like in the basement of the Pac-12 this year, I would just go to like a Mountain West or something. Just like go to a group of five and try to beat the shit out of all of them. Mac. The Mid-Atlantic? Yeah. Well, they're trying. They, uh, there's people from the Pac-12 joining the ACC. And they show from the Pac-12 going to the Big Ten. So that's true. It's basically right next to the, the Mid-Atlantic. So I guess it doesn't really matter. They really should just remove all the like regional names from these conferences because they don't, they, don't, they don't matter anymore. Yeah, who's uh, who's the most northern team in the SEC? Oh, the SEC might actually still be pretty good about Look keeping that. it below the Mason-Dixon. I'd have to double-check. But... Although, isn't Texas joining? Yeah, but they're pretty south. But they're not east. That's true. They're not. Tennessee is above South Carolina on the map, right? Sure. I think Tennessee might be the highest. Look at Georgia, that. Georgia, Georgia, Missouri, Tennessee, Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, they don't go that there. That whole conference it's... definitely fought for slavery. Yeah, they're definitely staying on the Confederate side. Bars and stars, baby. Bars and stars. <laughs> All those gray heads out there. I think the SEC trophy is called the Robert E. Lee. It's not. <laughs> Ironically, Virginia's never won it. All right, Mike. Let's uh, close the book here. Some college football. Well, just uh, one, more, one more note. What did you think about NDSU winning on an extra point block? Uh, I totally missed that until you mentioned it to me. There you go. That's, uh, that's your college coverage for the week. We're <laughs> All right, Mike, let's go ahead and talk about some NFL football. Week 13 in the books. Typically, we lead off the show here with our Monday morning headlines where we recap the previous week by talking about the big headlines that happened. But I do want to start off with a small little preview of next week, Mike. Mm. Have you looked at any of the odds for next week yet? I have not. Let me hear your guess for what the over-under in Patriots at Steelers on Thursday night is. 23 and a half. 30 and a half. Oh, well. <laughs> 23. Jesus Christ. That's bullshit. That's not... There's no way that hits. No, but they just, they refuse to go lower than 30 ever. But yeah, that's an absolute under bet. A Patriots game hasn't broken 20 total points in at least four weeks. Yeah, and the Steelers are now, I was going to say they're now without uh, Pickett, but that doesn't really make a difference. Yeah. (laughs) Never mind. Met Canada parade lasted one week before the offense just completely fell apart again. Yeah. All right, Mike, Monday morning headlines. I'll go ahead and start us off here. Just want to talk about a mainstay of our podcast, someone who we've come to love and trust completely. 
Uh, Brandon Staley. So Brandon Staley wins the battle but loses the war. The Chargers, who were lauded as a high-powered offense coming into this year, helmed by potential MVP candidate Justin Herbert, managed to win 6-0 to to a hapless Patriots team. 6-0. to The Chargers had eight punts and zero touchdowns. Let me ask you this. Did this win affect your belief in Brandon Staley at all? Me personally, no, because my belief, I already had like zero belief. Like I was, I've been out on him officially ever since they fell apart in the playoffs and, and lost to Jacksonville. I was like, all right, this dude's cooked. Time to move on. If you were somehow still hanging on hope, I hope to snap that tiny thread you still had left because to put up only six against the Patriots is mind boggling. Patriots defense has held their last three opponents to 10 points or fewer. Who are the last three opponents? Is, uh, Giants and Colts before the Chargers. Hey, those the Colts team. Frisky. That Colts game was in London or in Germany, though, by the way. Colts game was in Germany. Uh that is kind of hilarious that of those three teams. The Chargers scored the, the least. Chargers scored the least. That's that's pretty embarrassing. But they brought in Staley as a defensive-minded head coach. And look at the defense in this game, Mike. Shut him out. Held Bailey Zappi under 150 yards. Ramondi uh, Stevenson under 40 yards. Mind you, he got injured in the second quarter, but under 40 yards. I got all the updates from Sleeper, the Sleeper app. He's on you my Ramondre? <laughs> I got Ramondre. Like, I saw one thing. It was like, Ramondre made a big play. I was like, awesome. And then, like, probably not even 30 minutes later, I was like, Ramondre has been downgraded. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. If, if Brandon Staley wins out and the rest of the games are all 6-0... And they miss the playoffs. Does he retain his job? If he wins out, so they get to 11 and... Or, I'm sorry, they get to 10 and 7? Yeah, no fucking way they're going to touch 11 wins. Yeah, they get to 10 and 7. Let's say narrowly miss the playoffs by a tiebreaker. But every every game from here on out is 6-0. No, I think he'll still be fired. Yeah, I think so. I think Brandon Staley's fired regardless of the outcome of the remaining games. Yeah, I mean... It- the Chargers don't seem like the kind of uh, front office that or ownership group that gives enough of a shit to like make jump and make a move now. So they'll just let him ride it out the rest of the year. But he's he's definitely gone. He's he to me he feels like the prime candidate to be a what is it like a Black Monday firing. Yeah, Whatever and he'll get hired is. as a defensive coordinator because he was a very good defensive coordinator. So good luck him to you McDaniel. out there, Brent Staley. There needs, to be a, there needs to be a support group for guys like him and McDaniels to be like, it's okay to be a really good coordinator. You're going to make yeah. good money. Just do that. Make good money and have, like, coach your side of the game really fucking good. Look at Stevie Spags. Just go be the new Stevie Spags out there. Stevie Spags, Jim Schwartz, like, these guys, after their head coaching career was over, they were like, you know what? This is a hell of a lot, much less stressful. Yeah. <laughs> much less stressful over here. Like, you don't want to be a Matt Rule. You don't want to be a terrible NFL coach and then get fired and go be a terrible college coach again. Yeah, you know what happens when you just won't let go from wanting to be a head coach? You end up in Nebraska. <laughs> Mike, I said we're done talking about college. You did. You started it. I don't think so. <laughs> Not after I, I edited it, I didn't. I will say, though, this game was ending, and I'm sure Iowa Hawkeyes were like, this is impressive. <laughs> This is our kind of football, am I right, boys? It was grinding that tape all offseason. Yeah. Mike, you got a headline for me? Lions might want to get their shit together. They won. I know they won. But it wasn't a great points. look. Yeah. 
It's a lot of points. That is. But I guess they're defensively. I was gonna say they need to defensively get their shit together, but I guess they should they needed to have their shit originally to get it together. Like I guess this is, that's always been the weakness of the Lions team this year. Yeah, they have they have like some pieces, but no like top line names on their defense. They don't have an elite pass rusher. I mean, I guess Aiden Hutchinson's creeping around that territory now. Mm-hmm. You know, not not a great secondary outside of Brian Branch and um, oh, fuck now I can't remember his full his full government name that I always drop when we do these. Gardner, CJ Gardner Johnson. Yeah, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. There you go. Cornelius Julius Gardner Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just think it's a great look. Thirty three twenty eight to the Saints and. I guess it's more just like it's just more telling. Like, hey, Detroit's a really fun offense. They're going to be in the playoffs. It's a lot of fun, but they're not they're not serious people when it comes to winning a Super Bowl. No, not this year. Mm-mm. If they somehow talk Ben Johnson into sticking around for another year and can sign some big name free agents to that defense, maybe there'll be some talk. But yeah, I don't, I don't think they're they're a Super Bowl contender this year. They're a very good regular season team. They're the Houston Rockets from 2018. So, over under, I'm gonna set it over. at I'm gonna set, <laughs> under. I'm gonna set it at point five. Mm-hmm. It's amount of seasons following this year. Amount of se- seasons Jared Goff is the starting quarterback for the Detroit Lions. I'm gonna go over, okay. just because okay. I don't know what else they do. And also, you set it at point five, so I just need to make it through next season. All right. So if I bump it up to one point five. Yeah, my instant my instant thought is to to stick on the over, just okay. because I don't know what else they do. Right, Hendon Hooker is he waiting on, in the wings. Is he on <laughs> the Lions? He got he got hurt. Uh, like I think it was the end of the preseason. So he's on IR right now. But that they he's, drafted he might, him. He might be older than Jared Goff. <laughs> I don't know. Former Tennessee legend. Uh, he's waiting in the wings, I guess. But I mean, if I'm Detroit, I'm wondering like, hey, can we like you know. You get lucky, little Mikey, Michael Penix drops back to us, grab him, and then I, I just don't think, I think we all agreed once the Lions started getting better that Jared Goff is not the plan at under center going into the future. They, I mean, hey, they've been getting better play out of him with Ben Johnson than he, than even Sean McVay got out of him. And B, like, like you said, like they have to get lucky to have mm-hmm. any other solution to this problem. Like they need, like you said, a Michael Penix to fall into their lap, or I don't know, the Ravens to dissolve as a franchise. And then Lamar goes to Detroit. Yeah, then Lamar. <laughs> you can just pick up Lamar. There you go. Who knows? Maybe Hendon Hooker's amazing. He'll get healthy and take the job next year. Hendon Hooker's in his early forties. How can he? How is he going to start being good all of a sudden? He's not in his forties. Didn't he come out in the draft at like twenty-five? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I don't know if, I can't remember if he was a five-year senior, senior or not, or he could have been a six-year because of COVID. Who knows? Um, let me ask you if you have this problem. Yeah, he's he's twenty-five now, which is it's very funny to to have this conversation because Stetson Bennett is uh twenty-six year older than Hinden Hooker, drafted a year after. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. I don't know if you have this problem that I have. I mean, you can almost call it like a, a physical. A condition almost that I can't talk to a Lions fan without at some point just cramming in there like yeah, Jared Goff's tiny hands though. <laughs> um, <laughs> even if it's like a good conversation, like Goff played great, and I'm like, yeah, it's amazing considering his teeny <laughs> tiny hands. <laughs> and then it's and, even better when they plays bad. 
Because it's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, Goff fumbled, and you're like, well, of course he did. Look at the deep hands. <laughs> We got to Photoshop him in that, like, Andre the Giant thing where Andre's holding his entire hand around the Coke, but just reverse <laughs> yes. it so the hand's really small and the Coke's huge. <laughs> or or just Photoshop it and add on to it where it's actually Jared Goff's hand. <laughs> yeah, it's just <laughs> Andre the Giant holding Jared Goff's hand. That would be even better. <laughs> uh, Can I give I you would... uh, my next headline, or do you have some more thoughts on Jared yeah, Goff's hands? Me, you got, any, you got any more jokes you want to get off at the millionaire? You... Which headline are you going to next? You should go to your third one, I think. Or actually, no, go to whatever one you want. It's up to you. All right, Mike over here programming the show. Sorry, producer Mike. You want me to go to my third one here? You want to talk about Sunday Night Football before we finish the 4 o'clock games? Is that what you're saying, Mike? No, I was just saying because it, you know, tied into Detroit and the NFC North. Oh, yeah, I see. They did, you know they didn't play each other, right? They did a week ago. <laughs> I guess I should probably just start talking about this point since we've been alluding to it for the last 45 minutes. Um, Jordan Love and the refs. Packers win 27-19. Jordan Love, another great game, goes 25 for 36, 267, three touchdowns. He's been getting better every single week. Like, starting week nine, he had, like, a good game, then a great game, then a very great game, and this one was just, like, fucking awesome. Just Mm -hmm. slinging it around, beating up on Stevie Spags, kind of beat up defense, but still. Walked in. Fifth ranked in success and fourth ranked in EPA per play against the pass. Just shredded them for 260 and three tutties. But here's the, the thing that we're all walking away from it talking about. We're talking about the DPI at the end of the game where Marquise Valdez-Scantling gets mobbed and they don't throw the flag. And we're talking about the unnecessary roughness hit on Mahomes who was trying to run up the sideline to get a first down. I get it. Like, in a given week, it's easy to sit down and talk about where the refs fucked up or what calls shouldn't have been called. But if anything, right, we evened out here. We had a DPI that didn't get thrown in an unnecessary roughness that shouldn't have been thrown that did. So let's just take those out of the equation. They're even. They didn't affect the outcome of the game. And let's just talk about Jordan Love's ascension into a competent, maybe even higher caliber than that quarterback in the league. Yeah, I mean, every, every game there, you can really watch every game and go back and be like, well, this call, this one, they missed it. That could have been, been the difference, you know? Like, I don't think it... It, it was 7-5 to five in penalties, Green Bay to Kansas City. It's not like this was... A, if it was a poorly officiated game all around, then you can start going after the refs. You know, if it if it's hockey, just totally ignoring horse collars among a multitude of of other calls. For example, I'm just making this up, you know, and then a team ends up losing a lead and losing in overtime. But that that is like a random situation I just generated in my brain. Then you like how I said that we're focusing too much on the refing and you immediately started talking about refing from a week ago. I'm just saying at hockey, you might have a flaming bag of dog poop coming to your, your door. Every day for the rest of your life. <laughs> I like the idea that you don't live near him, so you have to ship it. But you obviously can't ship a flaming bag, so you have to like send it with a book of matches and have him light it. No, I have a, I have like a, a network. Oh of, yeah, <laughs> of bag of puke mules that go around it and drop it's them like, off. It's like Assassin's Creed. There's like yeah. little assassin huts all over the place, but it's just dog shit. Yeah, lighters. Uh, um. No, we should be talking about Jordan Love, who for three weeks in a row now has played really good 
and the last two specifically are against good teams in Detroit. And this time, well, this time last week it was like, oh, against a good team, you got the win over Detroit. This week it was like, oh, this is against an actually like complete team. Outside uh, of the receivers. But outside I guess of the receiver doesn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> right. But like he beat a good defense is the point I'm making. Like, yeah. That is impressive. I, I do. You know, we have to put the asterisk there. Just throw it out into the world. Let everyone know because people are going to be saying it. The defense is kind of beat up in Kansas City. They had it felt like every other play they had players going down. Your boy got injured at one point. Drew Tranquil went down. Yeah, Drew Tranquil went down at that? one point. So there, there was there was a, a solid amount of injuries, but still to go twenty five thir- for thirty six for two hundred sixty seven yards and three touchdowns is quite good. Also, big Christian Watson day. Fucking finally, man. We've been getting some Christian Watson stuff lately. Been waiting on that. You think Rogers is is upset to see that? No, he's he's too busy turning on his superhero power so he can come back next week and save the Jet season. Oh, God. It all depends on his health. For those of you who don't know what uh, Mike's referencing there, Aaron Rodgers came out and said that his return this season all depends on his health, which, uh, yeah, what else would it depend on? All depends on whether or not his darkness retreat finishes in time. <laughs> yeah. Might not uh, be available. Texans, or uh, sorry, Jets next week have Texans, then Dolphins, Commanders, Browns, Patriots. My, like, the thing I would love more than anything is if Rodgers comes back against the Commanders and just wins the final three games, and everyone's like, oh my god, Rodgers came back, and they still miss the playoffs. And they just get a worse draft pick. Can't replace Zach Wilson. You know, did you hear this thing recently that... The Jets, once again, are talking about switching back to Zach Wilson at QB, which first off, I don't know who's in a race to be a worse manager of their talent right now between Bill Belichick and the Jets, and I also don't know who's winning. It is, oh boy, it's like fucking Abu Dhabi 2021, you know? Hamilton, Verstappen, first place wins the race. It's just, They're just neck and neck going down the road, trying to figure out who can be worse to their quarterback room down the stretch of the season. Ooh, and it's a tight one. On the left, you got Belichick, benching Mac Jones, then unbenching Mac Jones, then benching Mac Jones halfway through the game, and starting Bailey Zappi. And then on the right, you got Robert Sala, who last season benches Zach Wilson for Mike White, lets Mike White walk in free agency, comes into the se- season saying, our 40-year-old quarterback will be great. Gets injured three plays into the season. Has Zach Wilson starting. Benches Zach Wilson for Tim Boyle, the worst quarterback in the league. Decides that that's not good enough. Let's bench Tim Boyle for Trevor Simeon. And then coming out of that week, they went, you know who actually might win some games for us? Is Zach Wilson. It is maddening. Because <laughs> at some point, like, I was thinking the same thing when I saw, like, Tim Boyle out, in comes Trevor Simeon. I was like, what the fuck are we doing here? It's the same thing with Belichick where it's like Be- Bailey Zappi getting the start this week. These two teams keep changing who they put in at quarterback. At some point, you just have to accept the fact you don't have shit at the position. It's the NFL equivalent of when you're like, oh, I'm hungry. Let me see what's in the fridge. And you look and there nothing looks good in there. And then you go look in the cupboard. Nothing looks good in there. So you go back and look at the fridge again to see if anything else looks good this time. Bill Belichick's just doing that with millionaires. Yeah. Nothing's changing. The people you have at the quarterback are the people you have. You're not going to like, it's not a computer. You're not, it's not like it's having problems. You're going to turn it off, turn it back on again. It's going to be working. Like, uh, and I, I do just want to point out real quick that to, to finish my story, I was talking about, uh, yeah. cause I, I got distracted, but apparently 
Zach Wilson is reluctant to step back into the starting role. Is that like a, a pride thing? How could he have any pride left at this point? <laughs> I don't know, but it's either that or it's like a poor sport thing. He benched me. I'm not even thinking I'm back in there. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're Zach Wilson, you like apparently the entire defense fucking hates him. Like Robert Saul was losing the locker room because of the de- like because they he kept starting Zach Wilson. Imagine like if you were a manager at your employer. And then your employer went, hey, we're going to have you step back down to just be a regular employee. And everyone got real fucking stoked at it. But then the new manager, like, put, like, a fucking nail gun bolt through his hand and had to, like, take some rest. And they went, you know, never mind. We're going to put you back in a management position. He'd be like, I don't want to manage those guys. They hate me. Yeah, so I guess I feel for Zach Wilson. I wouldn't want to go back in that spot either. Just to be clear, this wasn't either one of our headlines. We just got distracted talking about the Jets because of a joke one of us made about Aaron Rodgers. It's true. We went totally off on a, on a tangent there. But what what is Robert Sala doing? Robert Sala, your job is safe. You have a built-in excuse that Aaron Rodgers gets injured three snaps into his first game as a Jet. Like, no one can get canned from the Jets organization this year. They have, like, an immunity card. What? Just, you're missing the playoffs, man. You have four wins. Just fucking put Trevor Simeon in. Just run Wishbone. I mean, do whatever. It doesn't matter. The season's gone. Run the Wildcat. Have Sauce Gardner play some uh, quarterback snaps. Yeah. I was thinking just Dalvin, Brees Hall, Wildcat. Let's get it going. Yeah. Dalvin Cook is still there. I don't know if anybody remembers, but <laughs> he's still there. It's like Zeke. And they have Alan Lazard England. on this team. Didn't he play they some do. college quarterback? Have him play huh. quarterback. Yeah, you'll... There you go. If you're going to just keep cycling through quarterbacks, you might as well open it up to the rest of the roster. Let Quinn and, and Williams get back there. <laughs> and you know what? We were talking about how in a few years, we were making the joke last week, in a few years they're going to start having offensive linemen just play quarterback. Mm-hmm. They're just big beefy fuckers who are tall. Mackay Becton, man. He'll be able to see over the line. No one's going to be able to knock him down to sack him. I think it's a good call. I think imagine running a guy back to back there. Imagine running a QB draw with a guy like that. Yeah. yeah. You think the tush push works because Jalen Hurts is a big guy? Wait until you got Makai Becton back there. I hate the tush push so much. <laughs> and anyways, obviously what we're saying here is Jordan Love is a good quarterback. He is, and I, it has to suck for to go back to him one more time. Like Lions fans who are like, Rodgers is gone. We're looking like the best team right now in this division. We can kind of have like a little window here where we're like the favorite to win it. And then like that, like going to next year, it's going to be, oh, I don't know, Green Bay. Green Bay could probably win that division. <laughs> like that time ended fast. I mean, think about, think about like a Lions fan who is roughly our age. So born, we'll just middle it. You were born in what, 79? So middle it like a, a someone born. three, you asshole. Someone who was born... In 94, right? When their, like, fucking brain clicked on and they started driving around the, v- the meat suit they were walking in, like, their earliest memory might have been Barry Sanders retiring in 98, 10 years in. And since then, it's just been fucking Brett Favre and then immediately Aaron Rodgers and then immediately Jordan Love. And then Brett Favre on the Vikings. <laughs> Jay Cutler. You I had mean, to watch Matt Stafford leave and then immediately win a Super Bowl somewhere else. 
Just Jay Cutler on the Bears? Is that where you were going with that? Yeah, smoking Jay. Smoking Jay to Brandon Marshall all day, baby. Imagine if in two years from now, CBS is desperate for like a C-squad to call the Germany games, and those are the two guys they put in the booth. The dead silence the whole time? <laughs> they have a play-by-play guy just going like, and first and ten, Brees Hall runs to the outside, gain a three. And then it's dead silence for 45 seconds until the next snap. You just hear the, you just hear like the, the like, fling of like a lighter. And then you just hear the play play. I go, uh, Jay, you can't smoke in here. <laughs> this is my best idea. Yeah. Jay doesn't respond. All you hear is just a long drag over the mic. <laughs> I fucking love Jay Cutler. <laughs> What a weird hill to die on is I love is. Jay Cutler. It's such a weird hill, but I can't help it. Yeah, I feel like you had to, Lions fans had to watch one of the greatest running backs of all time retire early, relatively early compared to the rest of the league. And same thing with like one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. Man, that 89 draft was pretty good, eh? The 89 draft? Yeah. yeah. I was, I was looking at, I was on Barry Sanders' Wikipedia page and I pulled up the 89 draft. <laughs> Something else, eh? <laughs> it goes Troy Aikman. Tony Mandarich, who's an offensive lineman I've ever heard. Barry Sanders, Derek Thomas, Deion Sanders. Wow. That's top pretty, five. Good. pretty good top five. Mm-hmm. Steve Atwater at 20 also. Anyways. Mm. So the this point is, is Jordan loves a good quarterback. <laughs> this is off-season content. <laughs> All right. I got one more headline for you, and hopefully this won't somehow devolve into us talking about a draft from the 1970s. I was very wrong, not only about the Philly-San Francisco game, but about Brock Purdy. And this is the second time I've had to come on this podcast and say I'm wrong about Brock Purdy. But let's talk about the game in general first. My predictions going into this game. I wrote down, rain ruins the game, 21-16 Eagles. Honestly, Eagles just find a way to win. And my oddly specific prediction, Christian McCaffrey doesn't get a touchdown. Final score, Niners 42-19. CMC scores easily. Now, Brock Purdy, third in MVP odds. Well, second, tied with Jalen Hurts at plus 350. Yeah, the uh, 49ers are the best team in the NFC East. That's weird because they didn't even play in the NFC East. No, I know what I said. <laughs> They're the best team in the NFC East. They beat, they beat the Giants 30-12. to They beat the Cowboys 42-10. to And they just kicked the shit out of the Eagles 42-19. And we get them in two <laughs> weeks or something like that. You're, you're the NFC East's last hope to stop the 49ers. It's, a, it's the Kyle Shanahan revenge game. Is it revenge? <laughs> Is it? It would be like if you had someone who ruined your childhood and you went to kill them and they were like 96 and in hospice care. <laughs> yeah, it feels more just like it could be like the Kyle Shanahan spite game. The Kyle Shanahan put them out of their misery game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just going to put a pillow over our face and we're going to be too weak to do anything about it. <laughs> Here's my question. What's the reaction here, right? Was San Francisco more awake for this game? They, they had the storyline going back to the last NFC championship game where the 49ers lose. I mean, their starter for the year, Jimmy Garoppolo, gets hurt early on. Then Purdy's playing. He gets that UCL nerve injury in his elbow. Can't grip a ball with his right hand anymore. Then Jack Johnson comes in. Josh Johnson. What's his first name? Josh John Johnson. Johnson. Josh Johnson? Quarterback? Yeah. Yeah, Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson comes in. He gets a concussion. Brock Purdy has to come back in the game. Once again, can't grip a ball with his right hand. 
the Eagles walk away with a big time win and move on to lose the Super Bowl. So San Francisco blows Philly's doors all the way off. Is it just because San Francisco walked in with more of a chip? Or is San Francisco just actually 20 points better than Philly? It could be a, a schedule loss. Yeah, Philly's in an insanely hard stretch right now. Yeah, I mean, they go, they went Dallas, won that one by one score, beat, came back to beat Kansas City by one score, and then went to overtime and beat the Bills by three points last week. So, And next week, they get the Cowboys again, by the way. Yeah, so they're in the midst of a, a very tough tough stretch here so i don't i'm not going to say that's why the niners won but it could be why they just stomped the eagles into the dirt the way they did if they if they beat the cowboys on sunday if philly beats the cowboys on sunday there's no catching them for the one seed the niners are are just shit out of luck because after that philly gets seattle which is looking more and more winnable that's also on a monday night that'll be a fun game though then they get at home against the Giants, at home against the Cardinals, on the road against the Giants to close the season. Like, San Francisco might actually be 20 points better than Philly right now. I mean, the line was San Francisco minus two and a half going into the game, so they're obviously the favorite according to betting markets. But also, Philly's just got to beat the Cowboys, and they have the one seed. There's no, there's no catching them at that point. They have such an easy schedule the rest of the way. But the Niners' schedule isn't hard either. But the Niners would still have are still a game down on Philly. They would still have to catch them. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Philly just has to get through through Dallas. I think Dallas beats him next week. That's not what the that, save that shit for Thursday, fucker. Oh, well, tune in Thursday because you're gonna hear me. You're gonna hear me. What will Mike think about the Philly yeah. Dallas game? Who will gonna, he pick to win? Tune in Thursday. A, you're really gonna hear a Bills fan heap praise on the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> You can say that about 31 franchises in the league, though, that it's weird when they heap praise upon the Cowboys. That's true. But seriously, is, is San Francisco just the best team in the NFL? Is that the solution here, or the conclusion here? I think they're the best like all-around team, which sounds like a, a lame answer, but that's what it is. With the best all-around team? Wouldn't that just make them the best team? Yeah, but they're also like... I think they're, I think they're the best all-around team, but the fourth best team. You know, I, just, I think it's because they're just... Like, I think you could say there's teams that do certain things better than them, but they do everything at such a high level that they can just go in and win in, I think, just about any situation. Yeah, and the offense even looked different this week. Shanahan was just picking on the injured Philly linebacking core. Mm -hmm. Debo has two touchdowns, one on a screen that runs up the middle of the field, another on a pass There's a slant in the middle of the field where they're just toasting linebackers. They were doubling. Christian McCaffrey, despite being down to their third and fourth string linebackers. And so that just left Debo Samuel single covered the entire game. Brandon Ayuk single covered the entire game. It was just Shanahan was picking on Philly for this game too, which it's kind of like the offensive version of Bill Belichick. And you don't want to let, I can't figure out when this Niners offense is like clicking. I don't, I don't think I figure out how you, throw a wrench into it yet like when Shanahan gets into his bag of tricks especially if he has a healthy Debo who he can use in so many ways McCaffrey he can use in so many ways that Shanahan can really get into his bag and it just becomes a very hard offense to try to like plan for and figure out how you're going to slow him down yeah and it's they just I mean props to John Lynch remember when they signed him we were all like you guys are signing a safety with no front off experience to be your GM 
Mm-hmm. And then he's proceeded to get Trent Williams in the building. Brock Purdy doesn't count. Jo- John no. Lynch wasn't scouting Brock Purdy, and he was like, this guy's going to be something. It was Mr. Relevant. It was a fucking long shot, man. Yeah. But he gets Trent Williams in the building. He gets George Kill in the building. Christian McCaffrey pays a shitload, but gets him in the building. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and that's just on offense. I mean, you look at that. They have one of the most versatile receivers in the league in Debo Samuel, one of the most versatile running backs in the league, probably the best running back in the league, the biggest threat in the passing game in the league from the running back position at at the very least. They have a, a version of Gronkowski with a less traditional haircut and George Kittle, who can both block and catch. And they have Brandon Ayuk, who's more of your traditional, just X big ass dude receiver. That's some good roster construction, man. And they have the best left tackle in the game. And they go out and they make the move at the trade deadline to get Chase Young. He's paid off. He's... he has 11 sacks on the 49ers. I don't think that's accurate, but him and Bosa combined for 15 total pressures and 14 Huries. Hur- Huries? 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 On, on Hurts yesterday. That, that's pretty good to get out of two players, needless to say. Yeah, it turns that, out D'Amico Ryans actually sucks as a defensive corner. He's just holding yeah. him back the whole time. <laughs> and like, add that to already a strong linebacking group, et cetera. Like that. I don't know. I think I might be off like the, the Ravens winning the Super Bowl bandwagon. I think I might be back on the on the Niners bandwagon. I know that football is such a week by week thing where we make oh, snap totally. de- decisions based off of what happened most recently. Mm-hmm. But when you said you were off the Ravens winning the Super Bowl, my immediate reaction was like, fuck, we're still on the Ravens. That was like four weeks ago. How are we still on the Ravens <laughs> winning the Super Bowl? I just don't think I've like thrown down a plane in my flag anywhere since then. So I think since then I've picked the Texans, the Jags, the Patriots, the Chargers, New York Giants, Tampa Bay Devil Rays. I picked a lot of teams to win the Super Bowl since the last time I was on the Ravens bandwagon. You're a flip-flopper. It's disgusting. All right, Mike, any, any more headlines? Anything you want to touch on from week 13? No, I'm good. It wasn't the... I don't know. I feel like every week we end up like kind of talking in retrospect. It's like a, like a fine week. It's like the greatest slate of games, I don't think. I think that you are just such a fucking homer that you have trouble watching a week where the Bills aren't involved. No. It I was watched, a pretty good week of football. I watched a lot of the Texans break the streak. Yeah. Texans. We didn't talk about that. Uh, we will. Texans. Just absolutely went to town on the elite Denver Broncos defense that once again everyone was all about, but they gave up 70 points to Miami. Elite. All right, next up, for those of you who are new to the show, at the start of the season, Mike drove to my house in Chicago, Illinois, and threatened to light it on fire with kerosene unless I accepted the Atlanta Falcons as the team for talent alone for the 2023-2024 NFL season. So under duress, I was forced to accept his proposition and make the Falcons talent alone's team the 2023-2024 season. This week, Falcons played the the Tim Boyle-led Jets. I It took every ounce of strength in my body not to say the Saints. Still stuck on last week. Can't get over it. It was, if anything, a weird game that involved a safety as the first score in the game and the eventual outcome of the Falcons winning to get back to 513-8 in a game that featured one touchdown and one Tim Boyle. First off, not usually a thing that we cover on the Monday podcast, but I do have to bring it up. I hit my same game parlay for this one. Congratulations. Thank you. Plus 776 
under 34 total points. Garrett Wilson, under 53 and a half total yards. Jets, under 16 and a half total points. Bijan Robinson, over 40 total yards. And the Atlanta Falcons, minus one and a half second quarter spread. Plus 776. If you had bet a dollar on that, you would have won $7,760. Doesn't sound right. Mm. Well, prove it. How about that? I think it's pretty easy to prove it. <laughs> I don't think mine hit. I don't remember what yours was. I never listen to yours because yours are always like, well, what if Bijan runs for 40 yards and then also is under 35 and a half? <laughs> no, I took Bijan over rushing, which I don't think hit. Yeah, it did. Really? Yeah, he oh, yeah, had 50, was... 53 yards. Okay, so I hit that, and then I took London over uh, receiving. That definitely didn't hit. So that that's what killed me. Because then I also took over the Falcons, like, minus two and a half or something. It was, a, it was a big week for the receiving game, though, Mike. Are you sure that it didn't hit? Kyle Pitts led the team in receiving. Ooh. Big week for the receiving game. 51 yards. Uh, by the way, Drake London had one reception for eight yards. Yeah, hence why I said, after I said I took Drake London over, I went, well, that definitely didn't hit. Yeah. <laughs> what a boring football game. It had its moments, you know. There was uh, a Jesse Bates interception. <laughs> there was a Trevor Simeon fumble. There was a safety. How much Falcons football do you have to watch until you're indoctrinated to the point of calling a 13-8 to eight game and going, yeah, it's moments, actually. <laughs> Apparently, the answer to that is twice a week for 13 weeks. I'll do it. I'll do it. All right. So on the Monday morning podcast or Monday afternoon podcast or Monday evening podcast. The two segments we do consistently is I try to guess the top five in PFF grades and then we hand out three stars a la NHL style three stars of the game. Mm -hmm. So I'll lead this off here. I'm going to try to guess the top five in PFF grades here. Y'all set to go on that one, Mike? Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm killing the gimmick. I'm going back to just guessing individual offensive linemen because it really screwed me last week. So I'm going to go uh, number one, Chris Lindstrom. Nailed it. On top of the board once again, 92.6. I can't tell you what he did right and what Jake Matthews or something didn't do, but Chris Lindstrom is my go-to. Uh, number two, Bud Dupree, two sacks. Oh, nailed it. Number two as well. 82 grade, Bud Dupree. Yeah, two sacks, three pressures, I think. If I was a gambling man, that would be my guess. Uh, spoiler alert, before we get much further, this is going to be a defensive heavy one because the offense only scored 13 points. Number three, David Onyemata. Yes. He was number five. Defensive tackle. Defensive Onyemata had a 70.3. Just a shout out, Lindstrom was the only guy with the PFF grade above 90 this week. Look at that. Number four, I'm going Bijan. I don't feel great about this because he was responsible for the safety the Falcons committed. Mm -hmm. But he did it way out snap Tyler Algier, so maybe there's something there. Uh, he just missed it. He was at 70.1. Just got edged out by Onyemata. And number five, I really, really couldn't think of a number five here. I went back to old reliable. I feel like he was on my screen too much to really count for this, but he did have an interception, so I'm going Jesse Bates the third. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't feel good about yeah. that. All right, who did I miss? So third was you got to remember to go back at least twice to this line. Center Drew Dahlman, 79.3. Number four, he did play enough snaps. Wasn't the starting right outside linebacker. Backup, Lorenzo Carter, 77.1. Ah, big number zero. Yeah. Um, that runs out. Anyamata got in at number five because McCole Pruitt was 76.9, but he didn't hit the 30% required. Neither did Town Alone, all-transfer portal defensive team member Arnold Ebiketti. 
who had the big play at the end of the game to ice it, but he only played 25% of the snaps. All right, so moving on. Time for the the stars of the week. Third star, going out to McCole Pruitt. Great time to mention him there, right before yeah. a game. One reception, 20 yards, but it was a touchdown, and the only touchdown of the game. If I was a tight end, I would only catch one ball a game, but it would always be a touchdown. I, like I, would, I, catch, just, I would catch 30 a game, but they would all be touchdowns. That's not possible. That's not physically possible. But I would love to finish my career with a stat line that's like, I don't know, like two, like I played for like 10 years. I only have 300 total yards, but I have like 50 touchdowns. <laughs> it's like 82 games, 81 touchdowns, 78 yards. Exactly. That's the goal. Second star. This, might, this one's going to surprise you a little bit here, Mike. Arthur Smith gets the second star of the week. What? The head coach, Arthur Smith. Here's the thing. In his post-game press conference, when asked about the final score and how he felt about it and how he feels in general about the offensive woes, Arthur Smith said that he wants to score 100 points every week. And I feel bad for him because he's never, ever, 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 ever come even a little bit close to that. So you know what, Arthur Smith? You get the second star of the week, buddy. Keep trying out there. It's a pity star? It's a pity star. A sympathy star? Wow. And the first star of the week goes to the entire defense. Team is 6-6, six and six, first in the South. The only reason that they're even in the conversation for the playoffs is because of the defense. In this game, I know it was Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon, but they only allowed 3.9 yards of play and zero touchdowns. Pretty Not good impressive. Defense. Not impressive? Not impressive against the Jets. <laughs> no, nah, it was a good game. It was just a boring game. That's all. It had its moments. <laughs> Wait, did you put Koo up there? No, I didn't put Koo on there this week. I, I, I was going to put Koo second star, but I had to give that spot to Arthur Smith. He scored the most points. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I had to give it to Arthur Smith. <laughs> Arthur Smith isn't even going to be there next year. I'm just kidding. If you were ranking units by how many points they scored in this game, by the way, it would go Youngwin Koo all on his own. The Falcons offense. Then the Jets defense. Then the Jets offense. Yeah. Oh, no. It's, it's a rough game. Specifically, it would be Greg Zerline. Yeah. Then the Jets defense and the Jets offense wouldn't be there. That's a good point. That should be. Because that literally that is a fact. When you they play football games, their offense isn't even there. <laughs> doesn't even matter. If they just did a rule where the Jets didn't get the ball, but every time they got to come or like the Jets offense didn't play, but every time the special teams got to come out on like the opposing forty five yard line, would that net improve the Jets scoring? <laughs> Situation more time, I'm so sorry. Yeah, so the Jets offense no longer exists. The unit has been dissolved. Mm -hmm. All whatever 39 players they dress on the offense or whatever get sent out into free agency. In response to that, every time the Jets, it's their turn to have a possession, like after the ball, after, you know, the Eagles score a touchdown and the, it, the Jets get a possession, they get the ball at the Eagles' 45-yard line, but only their special teams can come on the field. Would they score more points? They, Would they, they score more points than the current system that we have set up? By kicking like 60-yard field goals every time they come on the yeah, field? Yeah, kick, kicking either 60-yard field goals or trying to run fakes out of their field goal set. I, I think it's probably like an even wash, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they could do any worse. I love That's the idea that you have just as good of a chance of winning games if you just have Greg Zerloin trying 60-yard kicks than you do if you have Tim Boyle, Trevor Simeon, or Zach Wilson try to run a competent NFL offense. It can't all be the quarterbacks, right? Have you seen the quarterbacks, Mike? <laughs> I know they're terrible, but at some point, things get so bad where you're like, there has to be like something else wrong here. Can't just yeah, be like, the quarterback. Is the offensive coordinator, is Nate Hackett just showing up completely wasted every First Sunday? Ball, Nate Hackett is a fucking terrible coach and a terrible offensive coordinator. The only reason he's a terrible offensive coordinator. No, we do. The only reason he's gotten the opportunities he has is because Rogers is Rogers and was good while he was up in the booth, like I don't know, doing finger paintings or something while Rogers was calling the offense on the field. <laughs> okay, and people were like, "Oh, Nate, nothing to hack it," and they just like ignored his track record of having like it, crap offenses in Jacksonville, crap offenses in Buffalo, and shit offenses in the University of fucking Illinois or wherever he came from, Syracuse or something like that. Get out of here. Sorry, I don't know why. I really got triggered when you said Nat Hackett's name. I'm sorry. But you look at like the, the other players on that offense, right? I, I can't believe how much fucking airtime we're giving to the Jets this week. But you look at the other players on that offense, and it's like, I like their running backs, you know? I like their wide receivers, at least some of their wide receivers. Their offensive line is like not great, but okay. They have Tyler Conklin. It's got to be the quarterback. Magic conk. Um, yeah, but like, maybe it's just a situation where defenses are like, even if they throw the ball, I'm really not worried. <laughs> because Brees Hall averaged 1.2 a carry on 13 carries yesterday. So maybe yeah, they're just because in the box. Like, A, Atlanta's run defense is elite. And is, B, yeah. like you said, if you're, if you're calling... The if you're Ryan Nielsen, if you're calling the Falcons defense and they, you know, Arthur Smith hits the headset and he goes, all right, Ryan, kick off, just roll out of the end zone. What unit are we sending out there? You would just be like, put eight men in the box. Yeah, like you're not scared. Let to them play throw. Just... Who cares? You're not scared to just play man coverage all game. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mike, final segment we do every Monday. We go through and hand out weekly awards to the teams of the NFL. The pride and joy of many of these people's weeks is to get one of the awards on the Talent Alone podcast. Mike, I've let you go first like eight straight weeks or something like that. This week, I'm going to go first. I'm going to skip the whole, the whole the song and dance, and I'm just going to take the first one here. So we put all of these awards on a wheel, we spin the wheel, and we award them out randomly, which means that we have to do twice the amount of work for half the payoff. Wait, there, there's only three awards this week. Why are you even spinning the wheel? <laughs> Well, we got to know who gives out the first award. Also, we each have a bonus award. Oh, that's true. This doesn't matter because we just hand out the bonus awards anyways. Yeah. We still got to spin the wheel, you know. The podcast. The, the wheel sponsors the podcast, actually. It pays, it pays for the airtime, so we have to bring it on. That'd be like saying that the NBA couldn't go if Jerry West wasn't playing. No. I'm saying <laughs> the, the wheel pays for this podcast to happen. They sponsor. Does, doesn't Jerry West do that in the NBA, too? Isn't he paying so. for all that? No. Where are they getting all that money from then? Anyways, the wheel stopped spinning a while ago. I think Sprite. Sprite gives them all that money. Oh, yeah. That makes sense why they've <laughs> been airing that Sprite cranberry commercial with LeBron for the last 12 years. Oh, it's, it's Christmas time, baby. Those commercials yeah. are coming. There you go. <laughs> Did Sprite Cranberry only have enough funding for one commercial ever? Is that what happened? It's a holiday thing. They only release it once a year. I'm not going to waste money on doing a new commercial every year. <laughs> like, we're only going to air it for 60 days. 
I guess. Yeah, we're, we're, we only get it during, like, from December 1st to December 31st every yeah. year. Like, that fucking Burger King commercial. That commercial's been airing for, I swear to God, seven or eight years. Possibly. Which I don't know why, because they already got their Whopper Whopper commercial. Like, I would have shut down the commercial department there. <laughs> we're going to air one commercial, one commercial only for the rest of our existence. It was the, the <laughs> last time, and maybe the first time in five or six years, where a commercial was actually a topic of talk on Twitter for a day. The Whopper commercial? Yeah. Oh, wow. I just remember, people were there. People brought the guys who wrote that song onto their podcast. Really, it went viral. It went viral. Yeah, it got stuck in your head, man. And yet, Think about I still, it. What do you know more lyrics to the Whopper song or any song by Taylor Swift? <laughs> I mean, by percentage wise, you're right. It's the Whopper song. <laughs> I also like the idea that at Burger King they're finding out the harsh reality that just because like millennials and Gen Z like on social media will make something kind of viral does in no way mean they're actually going to spend more money at your locations. <laughs> so you're still not making money. You think like the day after the Whopper song, like really hit and people are like auto tuning it and stuff like that. You think that they were like, all right guys, tomorrow morning, bring in your entire staff at open. It's <laughs> going to be a flood of people. And they just like open the door and it was just a tumbleweed rolling through. Look across the street at Chipotle and there's a line around the building. Oh, man, I can fuck with some Chipotle right now. They still haven't turned on the gas in my apartment, so I can't cook. Seriously? Yeah, they're supposed to do it today. All right, back to the awards. We're totally out of town. Yeah, so like six minutes ago when the wheel stopped spinning, I got I got game of the week. Okay. So I'm giving the game of the week out to Cowboys Seahawks. I know it was on Thursday, and we always forget about those games by Sunday and then refuse to remember that they ever happened by Monday. And it's Monday, but I still remember it happened. Final score, 41-35 to Dallas. I'm going to do my all-time favorite gimmick and read the results of every drive in this game because, Mike, this game did something that Pat McAfee hates, and I will tell you what that is at the end. Here are the drive results. Field goal, touchdown, touchdown, missed field goal, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, end of half. Touchdown, touchdown, interception, downs, touchdown, field goal, downs, touchdown, downs, field goal, downs, end of game. No punts. Not a single one. I see. The, that's why I figured where you were going once you said yeah. something Pat McAfee hates. It was either going to be that or it was going to be not wearing short shorts around the WWE building. <laughs> Those were going to be the two things. I was going to say wearing sleeves, but we were both going the same way. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Michael Cole. Um, <laughs> yo, okay. Man, this podcast is going to be a whale to, to edit with all the distractions of getting on here. Huh? That that clip where CM Punk comes out and Michael Cole and Corey Graves are stopping Seth Rollins from running down to fight him. Uh-huh. When did Michael Cole get yoked? Well, he's always kind of been like, you never know because he was wearing the suit behind the desk. Yeah, he's, he's filling out that fucking sure. suit these days, man. Yeah, he's been like the P90X or some shit while he's on the road. <laughs> yeah, dude. Shout out to Michael Cole ever since he got like a certain senile old man no longer forcing him to talk like a moron. He's actually been like one of the best announcers in all of pro wrestling <laughs> ever since Tri- Triple H took over. Like every time I watch the WWE show, I'm like, God damn, Cole actually got really good. <laughs> but anyway, back to football. There was there was no game even in competition. Like the only game you could say that I think was in competition for game of the week with this was the AFC South showdown between the Colts and the Titans. This game had everything you wanted. It had an MVP case being made. It had Geno Smith throwing three touchdowns and one interception. It had DJ Dallas with one carry for six yards. There's nothing else you could have asked for in this game. Yep, and I actually, while you were talking, if you saw me typing, it was to pull this up because finally, the world has recognized it, and the MVP favorite is Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Oh, goddamn time. 
deservedly so. He's been deservedly he's so. been the best quarterback in football the last four weeks. Yeah, and he once again played an unreal game. And it was like in past weeks you could look at the games and be like, yeah, he's playing amazing, but they're like annihilating these teams. But then it's the games where you play amazing and you're basically the reason your team won that cement and MVP situations. Mm-hmm. So huge shout out to try to think of a good nickname, but I don't know. Dak attack. Number Dak Prescott. I don't know. Putting teams to sleep. No, that doesn't work either. Uh, and also just to, to stay on the brand, uh, Deron Bland gets an interception in this game. Let's fucking go Deron. Keeps it going for the team. All right, Mike spinning the wheel. All right, Mike, your next award here. You got the Brandon Staley Memorial worst coaching decision of the week. Okay. I'm okay. Nothing super egregious. I feel like I could give this to, but I'm just going to go back to something I staunchly believe in. Don't kick field goals in overtime. <laughs> if you're inside of like the 40 of your opponent's territory, you're going for it. Actually, no, I take that. It's overtime. You're always going for it. <laughs> uh, unless you're playing the Jets, so you can give them the ball back. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Not the Giants, because Tommy D can, he can surprise you. Don't kick field goals in overtime, people. Fourth and 11, Indianapolis 27. Mike Vrabel thinks, well, what would Sean McDermott do? And he kicks the field goal. And then sure enough, Indianapolis goes down the field and scores the touchdown for the win. Yeah, we, we're slowly becoming the podcast of don't punt, don't kick field goal. Yeah, I, I personally, I wouldn't kick a field goal anywhere from inside the 30-yard line at any point in the game. But that's just I would never kick a field goal, right. period. No Ever. field goals. Going for it every time. Fourth and 24 from the 11. Still going for it. Each the uh, like third, like the backup quarterback had to do, be a kickoff specialist. You're, you're saving money, bro. And that's really what we're concerned about in football. Saving money. Bottom line. <laughs> my, my last award this week, Fraud Watch. I was going to give it out to them last week. Didn't get the chance. I'm doing a victory lap even though no one heard me say it. Denver Broncos. Yeah. You're officially on Fraud Watch. Three interceptions thrown in this game. Will Anderson, absolutely eight. CJ Stroud threw all over them. Nico Collins had almost 200 yards. Denver Broncos still have a plus 10 turnover differential, but that's not going to sustain. That is all luck, and that is their entire win streak has been on outrageous luck on turnover differential. That's When that snaps back to reality, this team is not a playoff team. Denver Broncos, you are on fraud watch. I can't argue. They're definitely on fraud. I, think, I feel like even as they're winning the games, people were like, look at the run they're on, and then under their breath would be like, Man, they're not really good, though. <laughs> My my dad, notable Broncos fan, uh, Rob Hess. I was I was texting him about this, and he was like, "Well, to get a turnover differential that good, it has to be the defense is doing something right." Yeah, I mean, you have to go back and like watch the plays, really, to be like, "Oh, that was luck." But I'm sure some of those turnovers were probably like, "Oh, uh, their team really like." It's it's a fifty fifty situation. Like no turnovers equal one player either massively fucked up on offense, or a defender made a like a, a really good play. There's no, like, in-between. Right, but this is... Uh, to get a turnover differential that high over a stretch of, what, like, five, six weeks mm-hmm. includes both a lot of luck on offense not to just, like, accidentally drop the ball and a lot of luck on defense to keep getting the other team to accidentally drop the ball. Yeah, it's just not something that's sustainable that you can guarantee being there every week like you can Christian McCaffrey being a good football player. That's something yeah. that's sustainable. Yeah. yeah. Or Nick Sirianni pandering. He's a douchebag. Hey, you see their head, their, their head of security is going to get like put to, sent to jail or something. I think he's just going to get like suspended or fined. But is he going to get the chair? I don't know. Maybe I'm I, so I heard... sick. 
I'm so sick of the big Dom stuff already. I know it's been one day. I'm so sick of it. I don't I, care I about mean, this fucking guy. Dre Greenlaw shouldn't have been kicked out of this game. I'm so sick of this coverage already. I didn't even know. How did it start? Like, did he start the shit with Greenlaw? Or what happened? So, Dre Greenlaw suplexes. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was Devontae Smith. He, like, suplexes Devontae Smith out of bounds. First off, it was a fine tackle. They immediately throw the flag for unnecessary roughness. Devontae Smith was still in bounds. His forward progress had maybe barely stopped. Dre Greenlaw, like, soup, like slams him onto the ground out of bounds. To me, fine tackle. No one gets hurt. Everyone walks away. When he gets up, Big Dom gets in his face and is yelling at him. Dre Greenlaw boops him on the nose, and they both get kicked out of the game. And yeah. I, I am a Philly apologist. I love this Philly organization right now. I love me some Nick Sirianni. I love me some Jalen Hurts. I love me the Kelsey brothers and, you know, whoever they choose to Eiffel Tower. Not saying they definitely are, but saying that there's a possibility that someone is getting Eiffel Towered. Is that? I'm not going to ask her. I don't know if I have to cut that out in the final podcast. <laughs> not. I hope not. I hope someone hears it and the rumors run off. But anytime someone on the sidelines is getting into it with a player in the game, get that guy the fuck out of there. I'm not oh. here to watch the head of security for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm here to watch Dre Greenlaw suplex Devontae Smith. The first point, the first point you made, if he suplexes DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Brown, someone who's actually like a big sized wide receiver, I bet you that flag doesn't get thrown. Yeah. I bet you, I bet you there's an optic side to it of being like, oh, that defenseman, that uh, defender just suplexed tiny Devontae like Devontae who's not the biggest dude in the world and on the, the skinnier side compared to his contemporary wide receivers he suplexes him it looks a lot worse in real time than it would if it was some big big body dude number two to your point you're the head of security fuck off what are you even, what are you doing, even here? doing there yeah this isn't like if, if it was a coach who came in I would be much less like back off but it was a head of security like you'd have nothing to do like stand over there and if someone jumps the rail and goes running on the fields that's your time to shine, buddy. Not that you probably that catch kind him, of but... security that he does. He's not like the event security. Like he's the guy doing like fucking background checks on Jalen Carter before they draft him. Yeah. <laughs> what it's... are you doing on the sidelines? You just, you just pick a random player out of a hat or <laughs> I plead the fifth on that. Um, how are, why were we talking about the Eagles? I have no idea. <laughs> I have. No, you said something, and I said, yeah, isn't that guy getting sent to jail or something? And you said Robert yeah. Goodell was currently putting it to a vote to send to the electric chair. And then you, you, wanna... talked about, you talked about the Kelsey brothers, Eiffel Towering people. Not people, just maybe one person. Anyways, um, still don't know. Well, it'd, be hard, it'd be hard to Eiffel Tower multiple people at the same time. But that's fair. Um, you got a free space <laughs> award, Mike? God damn, this podcast is a mess today. I do. I actually have two. I thought I only had one. You, but... you wrote down you just had one. And then we started recording. I remembered like, oh, yeah, I wanted to give out that other one. Okay, give out one of them and I'll, I'll give out mine and then you can finish the podcast on yours. All right. My first you one could, is... You, some could say your awards could Eiffel Tower my award. <laughs> they could, allegedly. Um, so my first one, I'm bringing it back. It's the Groundhog Day Award. And it goes to Derek Carr who for the third time this year, like I'm not making fun of someone getting hurt, you know, but for the third time of the year, got hurt and Jameis Winston had to come in to finish a game. <laughs> like at some point there might just be a force in the world that thinks you should not play this year, Derek. Like 
I would I would say what ninety nine point nine percent of NFL quarterbacks probably believe in God. Yeah, unfortunately. Damn, <laughs> dropping the unfortunately's. Ninety nine point nine percent of NFL quarterbacks believe in God and probably derive some meaning in the things they see by saying this could be a message from God. Now, I'm not personally a Christian, but Derek Carr, it's time to listen to the message from God. Stay down. <laughs> he's, he's, God wants to see Jameis Winston play football. I'm sorry, I don't make the rules, but the big man upstairs is, is giving you some pretty big red flags. And it was amazing because that first drive, Jameis came in, he threw that one deep ball that got tipped and then caught by, the, or by his receiver. I was like, that is so, that's such a fucking Jameis Winston moment if I've ever seen one. Like, yeah. that's, how, that's how Jameis enters the fucking game. And it was, um, I think that was Chris Olave that caught it. And I think it was like one of their biggest completions of the day. It was. Yard-wise. Yeah. yeah. All right, Mike, my last award of the week. And a, a remarkably normal award for our bonus awards. Just giving out the special teams of the week award. Giving out to the Colts. Two blocked punts. Come on. One of them returned for a tutty. You got to talk about it. And yes, I know. I've seen the, the coverage. Technically, it was one blocked punt and one forced fumble because the second one hadn't been kicked yet, so it wasn't a punt. Oh, okay. But still, let's go. Let's go Colts special teams. God damn, how'd they get there that quick? That, so there was, there was some coverage of this that apparently the Colts had schemed it up based off the unique way that the Titans block for punts. So they schemed up how to beat that, and obviously it worked. Okay, Shane Stinkins, coach of the year. Yeah, that's got, rub his stink all over me. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you got your 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 coaches in the room grinding Titans punt tape to find to find what they like to do, so you can get to the punter before he even drops the ball to kick it. Like coach of the year shit right there. I I want to give a sub award out underneath this, by the way, uh-huh. to the Houston Texans who had offsetting penalties and then uh, well they had a penalty and then offsetting penalties caused them to kick three punts in a row and it was just the and they they had to do like this long review for it too in the middle so the special teams coordinator for the Texans was on screen for like five out of seven minutes in the stretch of that game which is the most exposure a special teams coordinator has gotten since the Giants hired that fucker who got fired immediately Joe Judge. Oh, okay. Did he get fired immediately? He didn't make it full, through a full season, did he? I don't think he did. Yeah, I still maintain that Belichick was trolling them when he like put in a good word for Joe Judge. You think that was what he was trying to do by putting Patricia onto the offensive side of, of things? He was like, watch this. I'm going to convince someone to hire Matt Patricia as a head coach again. I think that's all he said. I think, I think he thinks it's funny. Especially after the Giants beat them, beat him like twice in a Super Bowl. I'm sure he was like, yeah, Joe Judge, go for it. Great, great hire. And they were just too dumb there to hear the sarcasm in his voice. Yeah, Mike, you want to hand out your final award here? Yeah, my final award goes is the uh, the Brant Goodleaf Settle Down Award. And it goes to, I don't know who was calling the game in Arizona and Pittsburgh, but multiple times this play-by-play guy referred to it as a massive upset. And I guess by record, it's a pretty big upset, but if you've watched any football this year, it's not that big of an upset. <laughs> So let's uh sell, sell down, bud. Sell down. What was the line on that? It was Kevin Harlan and Trent Green, by the way. I just yeah, pulled it up. So Kevin Harlan was calling this a big time upset Cardinals over Steelers. What was the line on that game heading into it? I'd have to pull it up. Uh, pull it. According to PFF, because I have their shit up in front of me right now, 
It says that the line closed at Pittsburgh minus six. That's what they say. God, why are we giving Pittsburgh six points on anyone? I've, it should surprise anyone when they score six points. Yeah, let's just, uh, for a quick reference here. Pittsburgh, prior week, scored 16. Before that, they scored 10. And then before that, oh, wow, they blew up 23 the game before that. <laughs> Holy shit. I like the, nuclear. the two ways you can guarantee to score around 10 points are you either play the Patriots defense or you are the Steelers offense. Yeah, Steelers offense hasn't hit 30 once this year. <laughs> but they had that one game where they hit 400 yards because Mike Canada will prom. That's true. That's true. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you got a point there. Also, real quick, just to tie onto this, Cardinals, why, why, like, were the Steelers just so bad you couldn't avoid winning the game? Was that the problem? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, New England loses again, so they're now officially two in the draft order, and you're three. Get it together. It's because... Man, they got Kyler in the building playing for his job next year. Kyler and Gannon, they're not they're not laying down for anybody. Yeah. Just uh they should have just, you know, Tanya Hardy and Kyler before you could get back. You wanna you wanna get a pick to replace him? <laughs> Don't put him on the field. He's gonna he's fighting for his fucking job, man. All right. Uh Washington up to four now. Yeah. Which means that we're definitely getting Marvin Harrison Jr. We're definitely taking Brock Bowers with the fourth or back. I might switch teams. I might, <laughs> I might go to a, a fan base that I I feel more confident in, a team I feel more confident in, like maybe the Jets or the Saints. Going to draft Brock Bowers, and then Howell's still going to feed the ball to Logan Thomas. <laughs> Real Falcon situation going on yep. there with Janu Smith having like a hundred yep. yards every week. Could be Pitt Smith 2.0, baby. <laughs> there's a, there's been one good tight end drafted in the last six years, and that was Sam Laporta. The rest of them fucking suck. History will show when you see who makes the Hall of Fame. Sam Laporta, currently on pace to have the best rookie receiving season in NFL history. No one's talking about it. Wait. When Kyle Pitts was a rookie, it was all we talked about. You mean Sam that Laporta as a tight end. is doing it. As a tight end. What did I say? Uh, you just said, in general, best receiving yes, record. Yes, best receiving okay. season, as, best tight end receiving season in NFL history. When Kyle Pitts was, was like, trying to fight for the Ditka record, mm-hmm. we, that's all we talked about every week. Sam Laporta's on pace to break it, never gets mentioned. No. It's disgusting. And it's, it's all just because Montez Sweat blew him up on that one rep. Yeah. That's why. That's really put the nail in his, his tiny little Iowa coffin. Oh, I, we didn't talk about that game as much as I, like, intended to last night when I was thinking about this pod, but then I ended up being woefully underprepared. Um, bummer. Tank Dell. Yeah, bummer Tank Dell. I, mind you, because CJ Stroud is apparently a robot, immediately Tank Dell goes down and Nico Collins turns into Tyree Kill plus AJ Brown. Yeah. But yeah, bummer Tank Dell. That is. Fractures his fibula. He's out for the rest of the season. And when he comes back, you know what they say, once your fibula's gone, your career's over. So a lot of bad leg injuries this year in football. You see the sideline ref who got his knee dislocated in the Saints game. Alvin Kamara hits him uh, like rolling out of bounds. They cut to the sideline oh. as Alvin Kamara's getting back up and there's just an old man laying on the ground with a, his knee bent at like a weird angle. No, I didn't. You texted me about it. Yeah. They put him in an air cast, carted him off the field. Fucking brutal, yeah. man. And you're like, it was brutal. You should look it up. <laughs> so I'm going to pass. <laughs> Even though I'm sure I could have like typed it into Twitter and there would have been people who were like, Whoa, is he sick, bro? <laughs> Look at his knee, dude. Thought Don't you remember, like, that show Scarred ran for, like, three or four years, man. Oh, shit, I forgot about that. You, you remember who hosted it? No. 
It was the lead singer of Papa Roach. That's right. I knew I knew it was like some like member of like a band. I was trying to th- I can't remember who it was. It was like a, some early two thousands rock band. I wonder if they had him host it just because he sang the song where he said, I tear my heart open, I sew myself shut, and they're like, That would be a scar, let's make him scarred. Papa Roach is uh cut my life into pieces, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got any final notes about football this week, Mike, or you just wanna you wanna talk about Papa Roach for another twenty, twenty five nope. minutes? Just like usual, I'm gonna hand bone in here at the very end. Uh, want a prediction from you for tonight? Oh yeah, fuck. Um, okay, yeah. Fifteen minutes into the game, Jake Browning goes down. Season's over. On comes Carson Palmer to restart his NFL career. Throws for four hundred and four touchdowns, and they lose. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not. That'd be ridiculous. Try to predict the end of the game, Mike. I'm just predicting what happens during it. You're you're very confident in predicting Carson Palmer coming out of retirement, but if you're going to ask me to pick who might win, that's that bet's just too much. I I can't do that. How do we line. not spend? Uh, PFF right now has it at ten. I surely have Fanduel. I usually have Fanduel up in one of my tabs, but I don't. Um. How did we not spend 45 minutes today talking about Joe Flacco being back in the NFL? And <laughs> good. He's back and he played well. Yeah. Best 38-year-old quarterback in the league this year, Joe Flacco. I could not, when I got like the little headline that popped my phone, it was like, Joe Flacco to start this Sunday. I was like, he's alive? <laughs> in, uh, in fantasy, which I know that everyone loves hearing about fantasy, I had a real rough week in our redraft league because I, at, the, at the start of the year, I spent two high draft picks on Lamar Jackson and Anthony Richardson. Obviously got screwed on the Richardson front of things with his season-ending injury, but I've been starting Lamar Jackson, who's been keeping me above water. This week, Lamar Jackson was on bye, so I had to start, I had to just pick up the quarterbacks that were on the waiver wire, and I had to start Joe Flacco, who managed to give me 17.16 points. That's way more than you were probably expecting, right? Yeah, yeah. My options were between him and Tim Boyle, and at the last second, like, I, it was about to kick off, and I switched Joe Flacco in for Tim Boyle. Like, that's, in my head, they were, that's how close those two quarterbacks were. Yeah. Joe Flacco ends up 23 for 44, 254 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Is he elite, though? <laughs> Real quick, uh, just to answer your question, yeah, it's Bengals plus 10 and a half, and I think about taking the points. Call me crazy. Is this the Jags are frauds bet again? Yep, Jags are frauds. Yeah, I, I don't I, like even with Jake Browning playing. I, I don't like this Bengals team being a ten and a half point underdog to anyone when they still have a pretty good roster. Yeah. All right, Mike, you you want to throw a prediction for this? You want to give me a score prediction? Uh, once Carson Wentz comes in and throws four touchdowns, what's the final score? Uh, I'm gonna take like Jags thirty to twenty. Ten and a half covers. <laughs> yeah, barely covers. You get the half mm-hmm. point cover. Yep. All right, Mike, you want to hit your plugs and we'll get out of here? Yeah. As usual, on, as usual, on Saturday, um, I don't know why I laughed at that. It's been a weird day. Uh, on Saturday, we'll be up this week. Got a lot to talk about with the conference championship fallout, as well as the college football playoff being set into stone. Talk about all the people who are crying because Florida State got left out. All that good stuff. So check that out. That will be up. The usual single column this week. Not two parts like last week, and that'll be up on Wednesday. 
Yeah. You can find Town Alone League Pass watchability rankings for all you basketball fans out there. That'll get updated tomorrow. We have the first games of the knockout round of the end season tournament. Starting off pretty soon here. I think the first one's at 6.30. After that, be sure to find Team Town Alone on the website. That usually comes out on Friday or Saturday, depending on how busy the website content gets updated this week. Sometimes I have to put stuff up on Friday. It makes it a little bit harder to get Team Town Alone up. And uh, come back here on Thursday for the week 14 preview and then on Saturday for Baski. With that, Mike, we got uh we just got the man himself to shout out. Shout outs to Jamie Fox, the big cock fox who knocks. <laughs>